0: And now it's off to Indianapolis, the epicenter of the IndyCar world, during the month of May, the biggest racing month of the year for IndyCar and its fans. This edition of Pit Pass Indy is jam-packed with interviews and content leading into Saturday's GMR Grand Prix on the Indianapolis Motor Speedway Road Course. After that race, a two-day break follows before practice begins for the 106th Indianapolis 500 on the famed 2.5-mile Indianapolis Motor Speedway Oval beginning Tuesday, May 17th. Practice continues all week with Fast Friday on May 20th, leading into qualification weekend. Saturday's qualifications help determine the order of final Qualifications on Sunday in a revamped format that will feature two rounds of qualifications that will determine the pole position for the 106th Indianapolis 500. Day two of qualifications will include two rounds of qualification attempts to decide the first four rows, including pole position. Starting an inverse order of speeds based on day one, each of the top 12 drivers will have a guaranteed attempt to post a traditional four lap qualifying time starting at 4 p.m. The fastest six will advance to the Firestone Fast Six at 5, 10 p.m. to determine positions one through six and compete for the NTT P1 Pole Award. The slowest six will fill out starting positions 7 through 12, according to their recorded time. In the Firestone Fast Six, each entrant is again guaranteed one attempt and will qualify in reverse order based on their top 12 qualification results. The Fastest Wins Pole Position, which includes a $100,000 prize, with the remaining five drivers filling out the remainder of the first two rows. Also, 2022 NTT IndyCar Series Championship points will be awarded for those who advance to the top 12 qualifying session. The Indy 500 poll winner will receive 12 points. The second fastest will receive 11, and points awarded will decrease by one-point increments down to 12th fastest, which gets one point. That's a lot of action for the 33 cars entered in this year's 106 Indianapolis 500, which includes our first guest, who will make his Indy 500 debut. It's seven-time NASCAR Cup Series champion and second-year IndyCar driver, Jimmy Johnson of Chip Ganassi Racing. I caught up with Johnson to talk about his first Indy 500 and this Saturday's GMR Grand Prix on the IMS Road Course in this exclusive Pit Pass Indy interview. Joining us now on Pit Pass Indy is Jimmy Johnson, driver of the number 48 Carvana American Legion Honda. Jimmy, it's the month of May. That means the Indianapolis Motor Speedway, where we're going to finally get a chance to see a seven-time NASCAR Cup Series champion drive in his first Indianapolis 500. When you think of that, even an old veteran like you's got to get excited. Yeah, there's there's nothing like it. I'm super
1: excited for it. Now being able to um, you know, run into practice sessions, driving the draft, understand the racecraft, understand the spectacle that you know Indy cars are on that track it helps my confidence. You know, now now I know have a better idea what to expect, and really excited about you know a couple of weeks of practice getting ready for the race itself.
0: When you showed up there last year for the GMR Grand Prix on the road course, was that almost kind of like teasing you a little bit about, like, I'm in Indy, and man, I wish I could be out there on the oval to run for the 500? It wasn't so much. I mean, I, I did joke with the team that, and
1: you know, we're sitting on pit road, and the car's pointed the wrong way. I'm like, hey, we we're going the wrong direction. Should I turn left here and go around the oval? Uh, but So a little there, but I would say going to the 500 and, and being an analyst for NBC, that, that's what hit me the most, and that's when I, I really knew that I wanted to race
0: it. The first time you were on that NBC pit box and they went by into turn one flat, you've seen a lot in your career, but is that one of those moments where even you got goosebumps? I totally got goosebumps. And prior to
1: it happening, Steve Letarte was on the box with me and said, hey, there's one of two things are going to happen. You're going to watch this pack of cars go by, and you're going to want to do it, or you're going to say, hell no, I don't want to do it. And once they went by, I looked at them and said, buddy, I want to do that so bad.
0: So after all of that that's gone into it, you've had a two-day test back in April. With the rest of the field, it's going to be in the 106th Indianapolis 500. How much did you learn from that test? And also, you had a pretty good speed out there, 2279 the fastest lap you've ever run in your life. Yeah, it is fastest uh, average lap time and fastest
1: top speed I've ever had. It was a blast to do it. Uh, we've got a really good car, and I think we're very methodical about getting me laps, helping me get into these you know arrow situations in traffic to understand how the car reacts. Um, I still think we have a bit of improving to do for for our camp to get the cars to handle a bit better in traffic. But all in all, um, come day two, it was. I felt like a regular I was in there making adjustments to the car making changes you know in a in a familiar conversation working on a a competitive car versus the experience I have on the road to street courses where it's also new and I'm trying to learn and and uh, just in a little different headspace
0: how is the broken right hand how does it feel and when you were in the test at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway did you even notice it the
1: first day I ran the splint and uh, grip strength felt great and I didn't have any pain. So the second day I ran without the splints and after the first outing kind of forgot about it and got back to normal life. So putting the, uh, the screw in my, uh, my hand to, to support that bone was definitely the right move.
0: So entering you know, the month of May, it won't encumber you in any way, shape, or form. You can run as many laps as you want in practice? Yeah,
1: I feel like come May, everything's going to be healed up and right. Um, I'm only three weeks since the, the injury, um, so I think you know racing here at Barber or at Indy, I could certainly re-injure it and break it. It's not fully healed, uh, but you know hopefully nothing like that happens, and I'll be ready to go for the 500.
0: And as one of the things that's different about the uh, Indianapolis Motor Speedway during the practice for the 500 is Your track time's really limited by the sets of tires that you have. So how much has that become kind of like a math equation for the team to figure out when to go out and run and when not to?
1: Yeah, it's a math equation and the driver's always tapping the engineer on the shoulder saying, can I go? And he's trying to budget the driver's desire to be on track versus the amount of tires we have. So uh, we'll manage it the best
0: we can, but I'm looking to get every single lap that I can. It's going to be a big month for your sponsors, Carvana. You also represent the American Legion. They're based in Indianapolis. You've got a whole crew of people to work for you to keep your schedule straight. There's going to be a lot of people that are going to want to talk to Jimmy Johnson in the month of May. How do you keep that from interfering with what you're there to do, and that's to win the Indy 500? Yeah, we'll work hard to make sure that... You know, I'm focused on the race car and, and
1: accomplishing everything that I need to there, all the time I need for meetings and such. Uh, but this is a big opportunity, big opportunity for me. I'm happy to talk about it. I'm at a point in life where I'm, I'm enjoying talking about it. And, um, you know, we'll, we'll try to manage that environment, although it's going to be tricky.
0: One of the drivers that's working with you at Chip Ganassi Racing himself is a three-time Indy 500 winner. Dario frank what do you recall about when he was at the peak of his game and won his three Indy 500s, his four IndyCar titles, I'm sure that was also coincided when you were winning all your championships in NASCAR. What was it like to see the success that he had, and how much experience do you get from him listening to him talk about what to do in the IndyCar? Yeah, he's been a longtime
1: friend, and... Through my peak in Cup and his peak in IndyCar, we've always been been very close friends and stayed in touch. Uh, I tried my best to help him when he came and tried the NASCAR scene for the six months he was over there, and he's certainly been uh, such a wonderful asset for me here on the IndyCar side, such a wealth of knowledge and and experience, and then more than anything, he can articulate those thoughts and verbally describe them. Uh, So, you know, that's not always easy to do, and I'm just thankful for the relationship with him.
0: Carvana has done a documentary on you uh, switching gears, becoming an IndyCar driver. We're up to episode three. When does episode four roll out? We're taping all the time. So when they
1: when they feel like they have an episode um, kind of in the can and ready to go, that then they release it. But we're constantly filming, and, and I'm sure after Indy. Um, yeah, I think episode four will probably come out after Indy. There's just so much to document and grab during the month of May.
0: And I'm sure if you win the Indy 500, car sales at Carvana are going to skyrocket the next day. They already
1: have. (laughs) By being in the IndyCar series, their sales have skyrocketed, period.
0: Jimmy Johnson, driver of the number 48 Carvana, American Legion Honda, Chip Ganassi Racing. Good luck in this year's Indianapolis 500, and thank you for joining us today on Pit Pass Indy. Thank you. Joseph Newgarden is a two-time NTT IndyCar Series champion at Team Penske, but he has yet to win the Indianapolis 500 for the most successful team in Indy 500 history. Newgarden joins me in this Pit Pass Indy interview to talk about that and his goals for the month of May. Joining us now on Pit Pass Indy is Joseph Newgarden of Team Penske. Joseph... The preliminaries are over. Now it's the month of May. We're heading to the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. Is that your favorite month of the season? Yeah, it has
2: to be, right? It's Christmas for us. You know, we want to win at Indy more than any other track. I, I've been trying to figure out how to unlock that one, um, and I feel really good. You know, Team Penske has just they've put in a tremendous amount of work, and everybody top to bottom is, has really pulled their weight, and I, I feel confident with what we're going to show up with. You know, we can't get ahead of ourselves. We're not going to know exactly where we stack up until we qualify on qualifying weekend. Um, But, you know, we're going to work really hard up to that point, try and, you know, put our cars up front and then ultimately race well. That's what's going to matter the most. But, yeah, so excited to be back there.
0: It goes without saying when you drive for Team Penske and team owner Roger Penske that the Indianapolis 500 is the one thing you work for 365 days a year. The last couple of years, Team Penske hasn't had the best success at that track. So how much has that laid on the mind of the entire organization that in 2022 we return to form?
2: Yeah, I mean, you know, Indy is what matters the most to us at, at Team Penske, and it's our number one focus. So we're, we're all very um, encouraged, you know, about the, the effort being put in. We, we all know the, you know, we all know the target. And so I think we're staying optimistic, cautiously optimistic that, that we've – put our focus in the right area, and and we know we have to perform at Indy, and and we're going to see if we can make that happen again this year.
0: Do you believe that a good start to the season for the team is key to run well at Indy? Uh, Not necessarily. You know, I think you can – You can. May is such a different beast to the rest
2: of the season, but, you know, if you're going to pick or choose, I think you'd prefer to have a good start than a a slow start to the season. So I think from that standpoint, it's more favorable, but it's not critical. You know, Indy is its own animal that you've got to have a – completely separate product and something that's really dialed in compared to the rest of the tracks that we go to. So it's not make or break, but you know, from a m- momentum standpoint, we can't you know be too disheartened with, with how we started.
0: The month of May at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway, of course, kicks off with the GMR Grand Prix on the IMS road course. I know that a lot of uh, engineers and drivers say what makes that race unique is how smooth the road course is. What's that like? Uh, how does that change the dynamic of racing when it's a flat but very smooth road course?
2: Well, it's not, you know night and day different to the oval, uh, so totally different style. Uh, very smooth track, you know, m- much more European than a lot of places we go. You know, it's very, like, clinical and clean, and so a lot of Europeans end up driving here. Um, but I-, I love it. I love the contrast that, you know, the Indianapolis fans get to see. They get to see us in road course form and then leading into the oval, so... For me, that's always uh, a positive to get the mix of IndyCar.
0: So a couple of days after that race is over, it's on to the IMS Oval, the 2.5-mile Oval for all the practice qualifying for the 106 Indianapolis 500. A couple of years ago, you said you were at peace with the fact that you'll still have a great career whether you win the Indy 500 or not, but do you really feel that way? Uh, you got to feel like you really want to win that race. Well, I'm not the decider. You know, I, I can't.
2: I can't make the decision for Indianapolis if I'm going to win there or not. All I can do is put my best, my best effort forward every year. and can make sure that I gave it my all. You know, at the end of my career, if I said, "Look, I did everything to win that race, and it didn't pan out," then that's, you know, that's what it was meant to be, I guess. But uh, I'm, I'm not going to, I'm not going to go down without a fight, and you know, I, I won't be leaving that place without putting my best effort forward. So um, those things I know are true.
0: And wrapping up here with Joseph Newgarden and Team Penske, they announced a change to the qualifying format for the Indy 500, There's going to be on Sunday in the shootout. You're going to have to go twice to try to win the pole. And how much is that really asking a lot of the drivers to really stick their neck out for four, two
2: four-lap runs? Yeah, it's a big deal. I'm really excited. You know, I think it puts the pressure on us as drivers. It's more exciting for the fans. Um I really like the format. I really do. I think it's it's going to add a a great dynamic to Sunday, and it's absolutely going to be more difficult. You know, it's hard enough to stick your neck out once, but to have to do it twice now, if you you know have a fast enough car, it's going to make it all the more difficult for everybody.
0: Well, last time they had a completely open Indianapolis 500 in terms of spectators, events, all the hoopla that comes with the race was 2019, and a Team Penske driver won that day, Simon Pagino. Because of COVID, this will be the first time we've had a wide-open Indy 500 with all the spectators, no restrictions. Doesn't necessarily determine the winner, but do you think that kind of helps a little
2: bit? Uh, I don't. I don't know that that correlates, but as far as our enjoyment, um, that's going to go through the roof, and for everybody. I think, you know, we're all so Excited to have everyone back there at full force, and it's going to make the event what it is. It's what that's what Indy's all about.
0: Joseph Newgarden of Team Penske, good luck in this year's Indianapolis 500, and thank you for joining us on Pit Pass Indy. Thanks, Bruce. Graham Rahal returns for both the GMR Grand Prix and for the Indianapolis 500. Always confident that he can succeed. Ray Hall joins me in this interview for Pit Pass Indy. Joining us now on Pit Pass Indy is Graham Ray Hall, driver of the number 15 car at Ray Hall Letterman Lanigan Racing. It's the month of May. We're heading to the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. I would imagine it's your one of your favorite months of the year. Yeah, it's
3: I mean definitely a good a good month for us. Um, you know, obviously it's uh a month that we have high high hopes and high expectations, um, personally, as well as, you know, as a team. So, uh, you know, after last year, I think there's a
0: lot of momentum for us in May, and I'm just hopeful that we can keep that rolling. Before you get to the 106th Indianapolis 500, it's the GMR Grand Prix on the IMS road course. Has that race created its own level of prestige? Well, I think, you know, it's... Uh, it's getting there you know now
3: having multiple of them has challenged it maybe slightly um you know but i do think that yes it, you know indy's indy grand prix has been a, a great thing since the start of it i love that it kicks off may in such a great way and just the enthusiasm of the fans in indianapolis are um you know unmatched anywhere else which is a great thing so uh, it's a good time for us to get going you know clearly Coming off of Barber uh, being in May, and then you go into uh, the the Grand Prix coming up here, and then and then you know qualifying weekend and Indy 500. It's a busy month, um, you, you know. But the Grand Prix has always been one that I particularly have enjoyed.
0: A lot of race engineers in IndyCar talk about the smoothness of that course is what sets it apart. I have even had some engineers call it the crown jewel of road courses on the schedule of course that's because of the actual course itself obviously road america has got a lot of prestige to it but how do you look at that course how smooth it is and what type of racing it gives you
3: well and it's one of the newest you know i think a lot most of these tracks are paved 50 years ago and uh so the tracks that are fairly new indy grand prix alabama places like that i think are are going to be your smoothest tracks. so um it helps us. We're not used to that. I mean, there are some bumps at Indy Grand Prix, but also the nice thing about that track is that they're willing to adjust and fix a lot of the stuff quicker, you know, so the curbing. You know, when the curbing was an issue, okay, we addressed that. We got it better. You know, things like that are definitely uh, are, are great, which we don't get at other tracks as much.
0: You go back to the days when they had the regular opening day and they turned the pace car over to the a race director or the chief steward or whatever he was back then and then you might have ROP and then you might have a few guys go out and run laps and I think a lot of that when Mark Biles came in he said that just didn't really move the needle any so now that the Grand Prix has been on the schedule long enough it's almost become something that people in IndyCar racing look forward to
3: well, there's no doubt that everybody looks forward to it. I also think that the fans, I mean, it's more about the fans than it is about us and, and inside of the sport, and I think the fans have embraced it really well. So, uh, you know, so far, you, you know, to me, I think it can continue to build. The weather is always a little bit sketchy that time of year. We know that. Um, anybody who lives there can has lived that. Uh, but, you know, I do think that it's, you know, generally it's been a great event for us.
0: And then after that, you get a day or two off, and then it's, turn the cars around, get ready to run on the 2.5-mile oval, and after the test that everybody had back in April, it looks like it's going to be a, a really good show. What is it about that last day of the test in april everybody ran out there they ran fast laps they ran a lot of laps and it was really four hours of
3: pedal to the metal racing well it was good uh, there was really good i think you know windy as it was you can go and pound around you know that's a positive for us and everybody's going to try to take advantage of it and i think that's exactly what we did but you know i think it's it you know to me it's just one of those things that it's uh it's going to be tough to adjust. The new ceiling on the tracks is a little bit tricky. Uh, you know, the tire seemed to be a little bit different than last year. So f- folks are going to have to adjust and, and get the cars better. But I'm, I'm excited about it.
0: What you learned in the test, how are you able to translate that into, those, into that week of practice? Well,
3: we'll find out, Bruce. I mean, it's, it's all based on the weather. Um, you know, there's a lot of things that we're going to look at aerodynamically, in particular, in our team, and go, okay, here are areas that we, here are things that we learned at the test. I, we tried to stick to an aerodynamic plan and kind of go through that. So here's things that we learned, here's things that we didn't learn, and um, you know, be able to be able to adjust and go forward from there. But the engineers are kind of, I would say, digesting all of that
0: still, and uh, we'll come up with a game plan from from there. And how about a chance to introduce the next generation of Halls? to the Indianapolis 500 with your daughter. Well,
3: I mean, last year, obviously, she was there. She just really little. So I'm excited for her to be there. I'm excited to have Courtney, um, you know, with us, all the family that will be coming out to support us. Uh, it'll be it'll be a great month for us.
0: Graham Rahal, driver of the number 15 Honda at Rahal Letterman Lanigan Racing. Good luck during the month of May at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. And thank you for joining us today on Pit Pass Indy. Thanks, Bruce. We'll be right back to Pit Pass Indy after this short break. In the world of racing, Penske means performance and winning. For good reason. Since 1966, Team Penske has won 44 national championships, 17 in IndyCar alone. And last year, Team Penske claimed its Indianapolis 500 record-extending 19th Indy 500 win with Joseph Newgarden, the latest driver, to win the famed race. Team Penske also won its second straight NASCAR Cup Series championship. In 2022, Penske was the first team in history to win both the IndyCar and the NASCAR Cup Series championships in the same season. Team Penske enters the 2024 NTT IndyCar Series season with 236 IndyCar wins, including 34 500 mile race victories. Those are results that are tough to top. But Penske's legendary reputation for quality and attention to detail makes a statement off the track, too. When you need a truck, whether for your business or for a household move, Penske Truck Rental has some of the cleanest, newest, and best-maintained vehicles on the road. And we make it easy with personalized support from our associates, flexible reservations, and access to the top technology. With quick pickup and drop-off at more than 2,500 locations across North America, our scale and know-how will keep you covered, all helping to ensure you get the right, reliable, fuel-efficient vehicle when and where you need it. On the highways, the raceways, and every pit stop in between, Penske keeps you moving forward. Gain ground with Penske. Get a quote today at PenskeTruckRental.com or, for household rentals, download the Penske Truck Rental mobile app today. Welcome back to this week's edition of Pit Pass Indy. On Saturday, May 14th at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, Pennzoil presents The Club on NBC. It's the only time that all four drivers who have won four Indianapolis 500s in their career were together after Elio Castroneves won his fourth Indy 500 on May 30th, 2021. One member of the club is no longer with us as Al Unser passed away on December 9th, 2021, after a 17-year battle with a rare form of liver cancer. Indianapolis Motor Speedway President Doug Bowles is one of the executive producers of this documentary and joins us in our feature interview. He gives the backstory about getting A.J. Foyt, Al Unser, Rick Mears, and Elio Castronevas together in Indianapolis on July 20th, 2021. Looking back, Bowles realizes they were able to get the only four drivers that won the Indy 500 four times together, just in time, considering Unser's passing. Bowles joins me for this exclusive interview on Pit Pass Indy. Joining us now on Pit Pass Indy is the president of the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. It's Doug Bowles. Doug, I know this is a fantastic time of year to hold the job, president of the Indianapolis Motor Speedway, but knowing you every day of the year, it's great to have that title.
4: Yeah, this is definitely Christmas time, and it it does mean a little more when it's the month of May. But, no, I, I pinch myself every day when I walk into the Indianapolis Motor Speedway today that I get the blessing of being the, the president of the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. It's a, it's a special place. And, and the, the opportunity to be in this position isn't, is never lost on me.
0: It's the club has uh, been described to me as a labor of love by you. And when you think about it, that's going to be the last time those four men were together. And when you think of the, think of it that way, I mean, what do you think? It's not a project you could have waited until February to do it. It had to happen when you did it.
4: Yeah, it's especially looking back now at it, it's even more powerful. And to think about how close we were, honestly, to just saying, "Hey, let's wait until next May when we know everybody will be here on a certain day." But we kept, you know, we were worried about just how difficult is it to get everybody's attention in May, especially Elio, because he's going to be thinking about running and trying to win a fifth and you know all the other commitments that people have and we didn't really think about it from an age standpoint and the possibility of losing one of the four although you know obviously um, a couple of them certainly are getting up there in years but looking back at it it's uh, pretty amazing and and when you look back and you know how sick really Al was even coming in that for those two days it's even more it's it's even more emotional to think through because Al was really on for for 36 hours that he was here and was, you know, struggling obviously. So it's a uh, it's pretty powerful. I mean, to get those four guys together in a room to talk about what it meant to win the Indy 500 once, you know, let alone four times, and then to have the three of them, AJ, Al, and Rick, welcoming Elio to that exclusive club, it was uh yeah really really one of the one of the Craziest days, best days of my life, and one of the days, i I, I tell you, I was more nervous that day, that morning, sitting with them, interviewing them, than I've ever been, I think.
0: Now, the way I understand it, and also by being there last year on race day, Al had pretty much left right after the race ended because he was flying back to Albuquerque. Um, Elio got congratulated by AJ through a statement that AJ was able to release through his PR department. And I guess that Rick Mears and Elio traded messages back and forth from each other. But they weren't all able to get together the day of the race, the night of the race after Elio had won. So what was the idea? When did the idea first pop up with you that we should get these guys together and talk about this? Well, I
4: guess we probably should have thought about this you know several years ago and had a contingency plan for if Elio won a fourth how are we going to get everybody together and we just never did and I and I think even last year with Elio with a new team and really not running the full season I don't think it ever really hit us that you know if Elio was going to win a fourth Indianapolis 500 it, it was going to be a long shot I think most people figured and then when he won the race, I think we were all so excited in watching him celebrate that we didn't even think about it. And then at one point in time, it sort of hit me that, oh, my gosh, we need to get all the four-time winners together right now. And let's get a victory photo with with Elio because you know that AJ's there. You know Rick's around and Al is there. So the first thing I did was um, called Dave Shaw, who used to work for us, works for the airport now, and was really helping organize a lot of the Unserved Families movement that day, and I called Dave and I said, hey, where's Al? So we just got him to the airport. He's on the way back to Albuquerque. So this is, I don't know, it's a, I mean, it's a victory celebration that had been going on, so it had been a while. And at that point in time, it's just like, oh my goodness. And then Chris Owens, who's our photographer, came up to me and said, hey, is, are the four-time winners here? Let's get a photo. And Rich Feinberg, who you know, does a lot of our videos, the same thing. So it was, I think it hit a lot of us at exactly the same time that we had this moment we needed to capture. And then it, it also hit us that, oh my gosh, we let it slip through our hands. So the three of us really said, we got to figure out a way to make it happen. And between Rich thinking through what would the video look like? And Chris thinking through what iconic photos he wanted, and then me trying to connect connect with each of those four drivers uh, to figure out a time that we could get them here you know that was really the next step and it was a you know there was a bit of urgency to it and but we also knew it would be challenging and honestly i thought the biggest challenge would be getting aj's schedule to work and and ultimately you know aj said whenever works we'll, i'll make it work and rick was the same and 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 susan Unzer really kind of helped help work through Al's, and she was the same and the biggest challenge was elio because elio was so busy being the new Indy 500 winner and the newest four-time winner. Unfortunately, fortunately we got a date that worked for everybody. And, and then uh, th- that moment happened. What was the date? So we h- had them come in. I can't remember it exactly off the top of my head. And, you know, in the, in July of that year of last year to come in and, uh, and meet. And what we really wanted to do is we wanted to have two, two days of activity. So the first day really, and you don't see any of this in the club. It's content that we have that I think over time we'll start laying out. But that first day was just a dinner um, the evening before the club was filmed with, uh, with Rick and AJ and Al on the eighth floor of the pagoda where we set up a table. And we let them sit around and just talk to each other and tell stories and just kind of get comfortable with the idea of what we were going to be doing the next day and talk about. Elio memories and welcoming Elio to the club. Elio flies in that night, um, not knowing that the drivers had been together, you know, thinking about what they're going to, what they want to say to Elio, and how this is going to work. And then, and then the next morning, we all woke up and, and met at the met at the Biltmore in downtown Indianapolis, which Rick, Rich, and Chris chose it because it, it's an old building, it's it's a lot of brick, so it feels like the Indianapolis Motor Speedway, it feels like history, and it's this massive room uh, that they could set up with literally one table, five chairs and an empty room, uh, with the exception of the film crew. And it just became this magical, you know, magical moment, um, you know, to put all these drivers together and let them tell stories.
0: How many hours did you film?
4: So we were there all day really. Um, so we were there, you know, first thing in the morning we got there and we, we, uh, we brought the drivers in. We, you know, got them through sort of a, we had a green room where we talked to them about what exactly we wanted to do. They had, each of them had some guests with them. So they had we were getting them settled where they could watch the filming being done. So we set up a room with, uh, with, a, with a uh, monitor so they could see what was going on in each camera, but they were in a separate room. And then we took the, took the drivers to makeup, which was in and of itself was entertaining, especially with AJ, who's not really excited about, about the makeup side of things. And then, uh, and then we brought them into the, into the, uh, into the room. So I, I think through the whole day between the, the, the four of them sitting together and talking and then some one-on-one interviews we did with each of them, we probably got nine or 10 hours worth of, um, content and we boiled it down into, you know, a 45 minute show or so. And then we wanted to get them out of there in time to, uh, get that photo of the four of them on the yard of bricks with the board Warner trophy uh, before they all had to head back out that evening. So I would say we spent the better part of eight or nine hours with them during the day. And like I said, we got about nine hours of of content on nine or ten hours of content on video um, of the whole the whole event at the Biltmore.
0: It's the most challenging thing to take those nine hours of great stories that they have to tell and boil it down into 45 minutes.
4: Yeah, I, th- I think for the team – it definitely probably was hard for them to come up with, with all of it and then to take it and really piece it together in, in a logical way that, that, that sort of makes, that sort of makes sense. And I had in my mind, you know, I had an idea of the questions that I wanted to ask during, during the day. Um, but then you would get a question to ask and then you would see where, where one of the drivers would sort of be interacting with another and there to be something that you definitely wanted to follow up on. So, there's some great story pieces, and I think over time um, there there will be more content related to this day that we'll that we'll share with our fans. I think the end product right now does what we really wanted it to do was set the stage for why winning the Indy 500 four times is so special and why it meant so much for the three previous four-time winners and for Elio to finally be part of the club. And and uh, you know I'm I'm really happy with what the teams come up with in terms of the the overall show itself.
0: How were you able to then get NBC to to jump on board by airing this over the network?
4: Well, when we when we knew that we were capturing it, we didn't know exactly from a business standpoint how we wanted to use it. So, when we first started putting the budget together with it, I I called Roger to say, "Hey, I think we need to get these folks together." And Roger right away said, "Absolutely, we need to get them together. This is this is something that'll live on long past all of us that people will want to look back and say, here are four iconic first four, four time winners and, and having them all together in one room, uh, he was all in and he wanted it to be proper. He said, so don't, don't, you know, don't make this, you know, don't do this on your iPhone. Let's make sure this is a proper use our production team and, and let's make it um, really strong. And as we captured the content, I think Rich and Kevin and the team, um, at at on the production side of things for us said hey let's try and put something together and we and they put a trailer together that was a pretty powerful trailer uh, that really really talked about what this why this was a, um, a monumental moment and we thought okay well let's, NBC's been such a great partner let's go to them first and if they have interest uh and in, in using it on Peacock or somewhere else then that's probably the natural place for it to go and and uh when they saw the trailer and heard the story, they felt like, you know, let's let's just put this on NBC and let everybody celebrate it, especially as we lead into uh, the kickoff of racing in May at the Speedway leading into the GMR Grand Prix.
0: Now, obviously, this was not necessarily done as a promotional tool. It was done to um, mem- memorialize and honor these great drivers. But how important of a promotional tool will this be for the month of May?
4: Well, it's a huge promotional tool for the month of May. I mean, especially as you start thinking about Elio's Drive for five, and that's a big storyline for us. There's several great storylines for the for the five hundred this year, but there can't be one any bigger than you know the first time in thirty years. We've had a driver trying to win a fifth Indianapolis five hundred. Other than Elio, you know we don't uh, we don't have anybody trying to win a fourth. We've got a couple guys that have a chance to win in the third. Uh, and then a lot of guys who could maybe win a second and and you know there's obviously a whole bunch that would win a first so that so the storyline behind Elio's drive for five, especially given the fact that he won a fourth in a partial season and now knowing he's running the full season, he's got a year under his belt with the team that he won with last year. I mean Elio instantaneously becomes a threat to win this year's indianapolis five hundred so I mean I think that's uh you know that's a pretty powerful tool and to to know what it means to be a four-time winner and tell that story to our fans makes even the idea that you could have a five-time winner even that much more special. So I think it's it's really important for setting the stage of what happened for the first time in 110 years last year, a, four, a fourth four-time winner, um, but also sets the stage for, for what could be a first five-time winner. And, and you know, as a promoter, and there's part of me that's torn, right? I mean, it would be really cool to have a five-time winner. It's also really cool that our four four-time winners—you could argue, you know—that that, that are our most famous faces um, in the sport. And um, you know, you kind of wonder, okay, what, what's if, if Elio becomes a fifth? Does that diminish what uh, AJ, Rick, and Al did? I, I don't think so. But but there's part of me that's torn between: do I want a five-time winner or not?
0: Well, when you bring up the standpoint about there hasn't been anybody going for five in a long time, there hasn't been anybody going for five since Al Unser in 1993. And at the beginning of that month, you had two drivers going for five because A.J. retired the morning of poll day that year. So that's how long it's been since you've had a driver that's been able to go for five all the way back to 1993. And when you think about it in those terms, that's a really long time that this has been a prospect of something that could happen.
4: Well, it really tells you, um, you know, how special it is to be a four-time winner. It took, you know, 60 plus years to get our first one. And then in the course of, you know, less than 20, you know, 15 years, you get three of them. Um, And then it takes almost 30 years again before you get the next one. So it, it's, uh, it is a pretty big deal. And the idea that, you're, you're talking about the drive for five. I still remember the sports illustrated cover after AJ wins four. um, you know, the year or two after he's won four, that says five for Foyt And and we haven't had that, you know, that conversation in in a long time. So it's definitely, it's definitely a neat moment. And I think our fans are going to love it. and, And, uh, you know, I just can't that day, every day that passes since that day and every day leading up to the debut of this club presented by, our friends at Shell Pens Oil um you know i it's 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 it just that day means so much more to me every every single day when i and kevin buckholtz and rich feinberg and the team did an unbelievable job capturing it and i'm i'm hoping that our i, I know our traditional fan that have been around for a long time are going to love it uh, i hope it really helps our younger fan to understand what what an amazing historic moment that they saw last year was
0: and how much of a marketing opportunity is it for Shell Pens Oil
4: uh, it's, it's definitely a, uh, it's definitely a big marketing opportunity for them. I mean, you think about how much, how, how much success Penzoil's had in the sport and, and their connection to certainly Rick Mears and Al Unser and, and, and Elio, I mean, they have a direct connection to those three drivers. They, and they were, um, maybe not a primary with AJ, but I think at a period of time they had, um, you know, they had an associate sponsorship with them. So that, that brand has been involved more than any other brand, except for Penske, um, really, in the four-time winners and the success they've had. So I think for them, there's a marketing opportunity for sure. But I think for them, there's just as much a historic opportunity to say, "Hey, we were part of this, and we want to continue to continue to celebrate, uh, you know, the success of these of these four drivers."
0: Speaking of the four drivers, you've been involved in the Indianapolis 500 mostly your whole life, and I believe you told me the story about in your household, you had to be 10 before you got to attend race day in person? That's correct.
4: So I I missed AJ's first three wins, and I missed Al Senior's first two, um, but I've seen every other one of them, so I'm one of those fortunate people that have seen at least one win for each of the four, the four time winners. My first race was in 1977 when I got to see you know, AJ's fourth and then getting to see Alwin, his third and, and they getting to see his third and then ultimately his fourth and to get, get to see all four of Rick's and all four of, of, uh, Elio's is a pretty, uh, pretty special moment for me. And, and like I said, that the morning we did that, uh, did that sit down conversation with them. I, I don't know that I've ever been as nervous. Um, to sit down and, and have a conversation with somebody because it, it, it was, <laughs> you sit at the table and on my right I had Rick Mears and Alan their senior and on my left at AJ point, my childhood hero and Elio Castroneves and the show starts and it's, it's hard to believe that you're sitting in this spot by yourself with, with these four amazing race car drivers and talking about um, the history of it and how they got there. And, you know AJ is intimidating right so even you just asking AJ questions you don't know what you're going to get from AJ you're so just making sure you're trying to you're trying to read body language know what you can ask and where you can go and then Elio was magical in the through the whole thing cuz he's so animated and excited to talk to him and, and and created some laughter and you know Rick for somebody that doesn't necessarily like to speak in public you know he's he's just a you know he's he's a little more reserved he was fantastic in the stories he told and just the you know, you could see the passion in his eye. And then you, you go back to just knowing that, you know, Al was in pain. He he was struggling and in pain and, you know, within a few months of, of not being around anymore. And yet he was as animated and as excited and passionate about the Indy 500 um, as you could be. And, you know, he and Susan said, you know, they wouldn't have missed it for the world because they wanted to welcome Elio, but they wanted to make sure that those four-time, those four four-time winners at some point, uh, sat down together and, and celebrated, and, and you know we'll never we'll never have all of our four four time winners together again, um, and it, it just makes what happened there that much more powerful.
0: And speaking of powerful, how sad do you think it'll be hearing L stories and seeing them, the IndyCar fans that watch this on NBC, the moment that they'll have to think about that this is a man who isn't even with us anymore.
4: Yeah, I mean it's 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 you know sad when you're losing your heroes and especially when you lose one like Al and Al was one of those personalities that I think, you know, it was just so even keel all the time, you know, Mario and AJ, right. You loved Mario or you hated Mario. You loved AJ or you hated AJ. You love Bobby or you hate Bobby. You can kind of go through those. Rick and Al kind of moved through their careers sort of always, you know, they had a lot of fans, but they really didn't have detractors, if you will. And, and so I think our collective fan base uh, when you lose somebody like Al Sr., um, it's a, it's a difficult moment. It, and the end of the, the end of the show is, is just a powerful silent moment and a photo of, of Al with his four fingers in the air. And, and it's, it just is a fitting way to say thank you to him. And it is, it's a touching sad moment, but it also puts a huge exclamation point on it that says, man, I'm glad we made this happen. Because if we had, if it hadn't happened in July, it wasn't going to happen again.
0: And when you look at the victory by Elio Castrodemba's, some people want, may ask, what was the launch pad for IndyCar's rejuvenation? I'll say it's the 100th Indianapolis 500, but what happened at your track last year in the Indianapolis 500 really kicked it into the next gear. Because of the popularity that came with Elliott winning his fourth Indianapolis 500, do you believe that those are two of the moments that have really put IndyCar in a great position to succeed that it seems to be in right now?
4: I think there's a lot of moments that do that. I mean, I, the, the NTT IndyCar Series is so competitive right now, and there's so many personalities. I mean, Jimmy Johnson coming to run the the IndyCar Series is a huge moment. Uh, Romain Grosjean coming, the, just the, the the depth of the field. There's a whole bunch of things. But the Indy fi- the 100th running of the Indy 500, the fact that we could say this isn't an ending point. This is a launch pad to keep going and keep the momentum of the Indy 500 and the NTT, se- se- NTT IndyCar Series going, I think was definitely helpful. Elio winning, for sure, is a, is a big deal. But what made that even bigger is the way he celebrated. He didn't just drive into victory lane and get out of his car and pour, you know, pour the milk on his head and drink the milk and do the things that people do. Ultimately, he did all those things. But for him to get out, climb the fence, and then run up and down the front stretch with the crowd chanting his name, Elio, 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 and celebrating with the fans in a way that I don't know that anybody's ever celebrated with the fans, to me, that's what really elevated that win. It was special to have a four-time winner, but it was even more special to have a four-time winner who was so thankful and so appreciative to be there and wanted to just celebrate with his fans. And to me, that's, that may not, may not have anything to do with the NTT IndyCar series. There are a whole bunch of reasons that it's doing well, but I think the reason our ticket sales are so strong for this year's Indy 500 is because of just the passion he showed and it connected with our fans and our fans are like, man, this is important when you win this race, I got to come back next year.
0: And for the viewers that want to watch the club, uh, what time will it be on uh, NBC? And I believe it's, same day, it leads into the GMR Grand Prix at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway.
4: Yeah, so it's May 14th, the hour leading into the broadcast on NBC, for the hour leading into the GMR Grand Prix pre- broadcast on NBC. So I believe it's at 2 o'clock Eastern. So it's that hour leading into the, the kickoff for the, uh, for the GMR Grand Prix. And then I think after that, it's going to live on Peacock and, and uh, an opportunity for people to continue to see it on, on Peacock.
0: One other thing I wanted to ask you was what was your role at the Speedway for the first GMR Grand Prix? The one that Simon Pagenaud won when he was with uh, Sam Schmidt
4: Motorsports. So that was my, it was my first May as president of the Indianapolis Motor Speedway it was 2014. So I, I was chief operating officer in 13 until the summer just before the brickyard when they made me president in 13. And then my role really through the fall of 13 leading into 14 was rebuilding our road course to the current IndyCar configuration that it is and getting prepared for uh, the GMR Grand Prix and and, uh, getting things ready. So that was my first month of May as president of the Speedway.
0: So at that particular time, were you sold on the concept of a road course race Opening the month of May.
4: Um, originally when we first started talking about it in twenty thirteen, I wasn't. I, I, I kind of felt like we, we knew we had two options. One of them was to, you know, kick the month of May off. The other one was to end the season, the NTT IndyCar season at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. And as we really started getting into it and and you know spent a lot of time with Mark, Miles this, as we were just trying to think about what's the best place for us to have to have a road race, and you could make a great argument for, for both. We felt like having the road race kicked the month of May off. So the first weekend that we're on track is a points paying race weekend. You had back in the day before it was NBC, you had ABC coverage of that event. You had um, media come and cover it versus coming and covering just a, um, a practice day that really didn't mean anything. And a lot of times all the teams didn't even practice. Uh, And then you roll into the next weekend where you have qualifying once again on national television. So you had two weekends of national television, yeah, two weekends that meant something before the Indy 500. We felt like it was a great ramp up to uh, getting to uh, the Indy 500. Uh, you know, the final Memorial Day weekend of the month. So that's re- ultimately why we landed there. There was a lot of vigorous debate um, throughout the summer as we were as we were working on the racetrack in the fall as we were completing it. And I can't remember exactly when we announced. Uh, announced the date, but we settled on it for, for those reasons. And I think it's, I honestly think it's paid off. It's a great way to kick the month of May off.
0: And what do you see as the reason for its success? Well, I think the biggest thing for
4: for it is is it, it gives fans a reason to come out and celebrate something that matters. It's points paying, it, you know, race day drivers are going for it. And for us, it's an opportunity for an Indianapolis market that if you don't watch IndyCar on TV and you just come to the Indy 500, you've never seen you at that point in time, you'd never seen IndyCars do what they do in so many other markets when they're outside of Indianapolis. So it was a way to, to introduce our, um, you know, introduce our fans to that. And, and honestly, that the, I think the racetrack race as well, uh, the drivers seem, seem to really enjoy it. It's got some great passing zones. It's got some high speed points. So I think the racing is, is good and i think the the race the the race track is challenging and fun for the drivers so it sort of ticked all those boxes one i think that's part of why it's successful the biggest reason why it means something is because it's at the indianapolis motor speedway
0: and as far as the club is there anything else that you would like to point out about that as we wrap up
4: no i just can't wait to we knew we'd done the video and and we did our photo that we posted pretty quickly after we took that iconic photo of those four drivers with the Borg Warner trophy on the yard of bricks uh, after we'd gotten done filming it, but we didn't tell anybody we'd, we'd been doing the filming and I'm just excited now that we can talk about the film and they can see it and they can, you know, they can look at the emotion in the faces and that that at the end, you know, Elio getting to really tell these three drivers what they have meant to him in his career and the emotion, it's just an emotional, it's an emotional moment that I think our race fans are just going to appreciate and, and they're going to, they're gonna look forward to seeing Elio's drive for five. And uh, as Rick Mears said, hey, you know, you know, ought to stay in this club because that 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 five club, it's pretty lonely. So we'll see, we'll see what happens this year.
0: Doug Bowles, president of the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. Good luck with this year's hundred and sixth running of the Indianapolis five hundred, the GMR Grand Prix at in Indianapolis, and also with the premiere of the club, which will air on NBC on May 14th at 2 PM Eastern. Thank you for joining us today on Pit Pass Indy.
4: Yeah, thanks for having me, Bruce. It's fantastic. Can't wait to see everybody out here this night.
0: And that puts a checkered flag on this edition of Pit Pass Indy. We want to thank our guest, seven-time NASCAR Cup Series champion and second-year IndyCar driver Jimmy Johnson of Chip Ganassi Racing, two-time NTT IndyCar Series champion Joseph Newgarden of Team Penske, Graham Rahal of Rahal Letterman Lanigan Racing, and Indianapolis Motor Speedway president Doug Bowles for joining us on today's podcast. Along with loyal listeners like you, our guests help make Pit Pass Indy your path to victory lane for all things IndyCar. For more IndyCar coverage, follow me at Twitter at Bruce Martin, one word, uppercase B, uppercase M, underscore. Five hundred. this has been a production of evergreen podcast a special thanks to our production team executive producers are bridget Coyne and gerardo orlando recordings and edits were done by me bruce martin and final mixing was done by dave douglas learn more at evergreenpodcast.com until next time be sure to keep it out of the wall